Okay, how many of you enjoyed yesterday, the book of Acts? How many of you learned something last night about mandate? Powerful. Very important who you connect yourself to. Very, very important to see how authority works and the power of the Holy Spirit is so, it's so powerful. Now, church, I brought a few very, very important CDs. This one is called Honey. How many of you, anybody heard the CD on Honey? Uh, you need to listen to this. This will bless you out of your socks. Um, when man takes away your provision, God has supernatural provision in the form of honey. And there's a lot of good things I can say about honey, but uh, try to get this CD. I think there's only four of them. Um, then I have one here called Two Wealthy Men and Jesus. On this CD, you will meet... Uh, Two wealthy men, and you will find out that Jesus is non-religious. Because many times, you know, um, we, we paint a picture of who Jesus is, and, and we make him so religious. He's not religious. Jesus is not religious at all. And you will be surprised when you, uh, when you meet the real Jesus. Now, on this CD, I... I spoke about um, how Jesus met the first wealthy man, and this man was all about the law and how Jesus treated him. Do you know that Jesus is grace. Grace is a person. And Jesus came to replace the law. But in the, in the Bible, he found a wealthy man that is so wealthy that he actually embraced the law, and Jesus actually said to him, well, if you're that good in the law, why don't you go back to the law? It takes a lot for Jesus to say to a man who loves the law, go back to the law. I cannot help you. My name is Grace. But then just in the next chapter, Jesus found another wealthy man that is corrupt, and he could work with him. But he could not work with a guy who was keeping the law. When uh, This is a pretty much in-your-face CD. It's going to... It's gonna, but you will then see, wow, Jesus is not religious. He's not at all. He has a heart for people, and he cannot stand it when people become religious in his presence. Uh, because religious people normally put a great uh, emphasis on their own works. But people that are not into the law is people that is very aware of how much grace they need in life to just make it. Okay, try to buy the CD. We need money, and that will really help us. Thank you. I'm just teasing you. <laughs> this one is, well, the book is here. Uh, this is only for those that has not been here yesterday. This book will really bless you. One of the things I did with this book is I did not ask uh, pastors with, uh, with that's well-known to write a foreword. I asked young people, young men to write a foreword. And when I said to them, I want you to write a foreword for the book, they said to me, Pastor, but how can you ask me to write a foreword? I said to him, said to all of them, I said, because you are the next Paul. You are a Timothy today, but you are a Paul in the future. And uh, so if you have a dream, try to get this book. It will really bless you. I promise you that. And I'm not somebody that is going to try and sell you a book. I want you to open up your Bible and go to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 25. What I'm going to do tonight is going to be very simple. I'm not going to go to a lot of chapters and a lot of scriptures, but I want to <clears throat> just give you a prophetic picture 
of, of everyday life and, and, and how Jesus fits into this picture. And I uh, just want to go to a simple miracle that has happened in the book of Mark, and this is Mark chapter 5. <clears throat> how many of you realize that um, uh, you live a pretty ordinary life? Well, I've got good news for you. Jesus fits right into that ordinary life. Religious people does not fit. Great people with great names and that's very popular in the church world, you cannot get a hold of them. But Jesus is very much available. And uh, so here in, in chapter 5, verse 25, we find a woman who had the issue of blood. And we all know the story so well, but concentrate with me. It says in verse 25, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. So that tells me that she had a problem for a very, very long time. And um, had suffered many things from many physicians. So basically, the people that were supposed to help her is the people that actually uh, made her suffer. Bible says that she had uh, suffered many things from many physicians. So it seems to me they did her more, they did more bad things to her than what they did something good because she suffered. Not only in her own body, she suffered many things from many physicians. Isn't it sad that sometimes you go to a source that you think will help you and then they find out they're going to bite you. They're going to take advantage of you. And uh, she had spent all that she had and she was no better, but she rather grew worse. That is a, a prophetic picture of where many people today are right at. They are in a situation where no matter what they do, things is growing worse. And you know what? It doesn't sound good, but it's a reality in the, in the life of many, many people today. And we cannot just preach a feel-good message. We need to bring a message that help people that is just at the end of themselves. And the Bible says, and when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and she touched his garment. Now, let me say this. The issue of blood that this woman had made her a woman that's not supposed to be in the crowd. And so now she's in a crowd and she's not supposed to be there. So there's a law against her that does not allow her to be in the crowd. Now the law that is against her was written by man. Because man realized that if we allow people like this in a crowd, we will just cause a bigger problem. But you know what? She was desperate. And in her desperateness, this woman is actually breaking the law. She's literally breaking the law. Now, I don't, I don't want to preach this thing tonight and say, well, this gives you now the full right to break the law. Don't try it. It's not going to work. Amen? Don't, don't use this and say, well, Pastor Andre preached about this, and now I can just break the law and Jesus will rescue me. Because he did rescue her. But it doesn't mean if you're going to drive down the road and go through a red traffic light, amen, I have experience. <laughs> amen. Don't laugh at me. Pray for me. But when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd, and she touched his garment, for she said, If only I may touch these clothes, I shall be made well. That's her faith. 
Our faith is so strong in Jesus. She said that if, if only I may touch these clothes, she's not even interested in talking to him. She's not interested in making contact with him. She said, if I can only touch these clothes. It is so different. You know, today we want an appointment with a prophet and we want him to prophesy one hour. And then we will throw a good offering at him. No, no, no. When you're desperate, you don't want to see anybody. You just want to get a touch. That's, her, that's where she was. And, uh, and Bible says immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. You know what I love about this whole chapter is this, and this is all I'm going to bring to you tonight, is that she's in a crowd and she's not there legally. If they find her in the crowd, they will find her guilty. But she got healed before they could found her guilty. If they had found her before the healing, she had enough evidence in her body that she's not supposed to be there. But the grace of God, because Jesus is grace. Mr. Grace was in the crowd. And grace healed her before the law could judge her. And by the time the law found out she is in the crowd, the law had no evidence to stand on to find her guilty. Isn't that amazing that God's grace can cover us, can rescue us, and by the time man come across us, we, we don't, man cannot find any evidence. I love it. And what I love about this is, is also the Bible says she felt in her body. You know, many people say, well, by faith I'm healed. No, no, no. Don't hide behind your faith. Faith will bring you to a point where you will have a, a, a sensible, you will sense, you will feel the difference that God makes. We, we don't serve a God that, that touches, but we never know it. When, you, when, you, when we say every night, we say, well, it's time to greet one another. What do we do when we greet? The moment we greet, we, we reach out a hand or we embrace but why, why do we reach out and why do we embrace? Because in the reach out and the embrace, there's a moment that we touch one another. How many of you tonight, without you even concentrating on it, you came into this building and you started to communicate with people and, and you've all touched one another. You're greeted, you're hugged. Uh, people come to me and I can see. The greeting between this person and myself will not be completed until we touch. Amen? And the moment you touch somebody's hand, the greeting is completed. So, so even in our natural walk, there's, there's, a, there's something about unless I can touch my brother, I haven't greeted him. Unless I can touch him, I don't feel I connected. You, you know, there's something about talking over a phone, but there's something about seeing somebody. And, and the Bible says she touched him, and, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. So her body told her she was healed. 
It was not a faith healing. It, it was a faith healing to the point that she came to the crowd. That was faith. But the moment she felt it in her body, the faith does not say to her, you are healed. Her body told her, you are ju you've just been healed. I love it when Jesus becomes so real amongst us that our body testify to the fact that I just received the healing. Come on. Sometimes people testify by faith that they are healed. Where are the healings where your body told you that you just got your healing? That is powerful. And uh, the Bible says she was healed. And, and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out. I love that. Jesus had also felt. You see, when, when you touch somebody, when I greet somebody, there's always two people involved in touch. You can never have a touch without more than one person involved. That's why the moment I take your hand and I say, uh, Brother Brown, it's so good to see you, and I greet him, both of us feel we just touch one another and, and it's completed. And we feel like the seal is on the greeting. The greeting is not complete until we can embrace one another. And... Um, but the Bible says Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out. Now, I want to ask a question. When you go into the bank and you need money, and you made a withdrawal, and you walk out of the bank without money, why did you go into the bank? What is the purpose of going to make a withdrawal in the bank, but when you leave, you don't take money with you? And many people come to church to make a withdrawal, but they never leave with something. Come on. She went into the crowd and she decided, if I don't make a withdrawal tonight, I'm dead. If I don't, if I don't make a withdrawal tonight from him, I had it. My life is over. And church, church should be a place where people can come in and make a withdrawal but then what I like about the, this withdrawal that she made here is Jesus confirmed it. And, uh, you know, when you do, when you do your, look at your bank statement every year, the, the first thing the bank will show you is when you, when you get a statement is that you made a few withdrawals. And they're going to they're gonna show you where you made the withdrawals because they want you to know you took some money out of the bank. Don't you come and tell us you had more money in the bank because they're going to show you you made withdrawals. And, and I want to, as this is so simple, you know, the Lord said to me, son, why do you serve me, but you never make a withdrawal to the point that heaven even knows about it? When she made a withdrawal, Jesus felt power went out of him. And I want us tonight to make a withdrawal to the point that heaven will register it and heaven will say that woman or that man made a withdrawal because we felt the effect in heaven. Come on. That's powerful. Now, and uh, what the Bible says, and he, and, 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 and he turned around in the crowd and he said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you said, who touched me? Now, now you have another word that comes in here. The Bible says the disciples said to Jesus, how can you say somebody touched you when everybody is thronging you? The word thronging uh, is a very interesting word. 
the disciples, uh, it's almost like they want to say to Jesus, oh, come on, Jesus. Don't come and tell me somebody touched you when everybody is thronging you. And, uh, and he looked around to see who had done this thing. So now Jesus is looking at the crowd, and he is he's trying to see who has done this thing. Now, there's a few things that we need to cover here. Number one, Jesus was on his way to the house of Jairus. He was on his way to a house where a little girl was on her deathbed. But although he was on his house to, to a house where there's somebody on the deathbed, Jesus was brought to a standstill by one person. And it was not the crowd. It was not the crowd that brought Jesus to a standstill. It was one person who made a withdrawal that brought Jesus, Mr. Grace, to a complete standstill where he was very much interested to know who touched him. And that, that opens up a whole new world to me, that I can bring heaven to a standstill where the other people will not bring him to a standstill. Now, look at this. The disciples said, uh, how can you say somebody, somebody touched you when everybody is thronging you? Uh, church, thronging is not touching. You see, when you're in a crowd and you walk with a, a great personality or a, a very important person, what will happen is many people will bump into Jesus and talk to Jesus and even make eye contact. Uh, that is all the language of the crowd. That's what you do in a crowd. You go through the motions. It's called thronging. But thronging is not making a withdrawal. Now, in the context of this crowd, the crowd was not desperate. Because the crowd had no healing issues. They had no health problems. So the crowd thronged Jesus. But the woman who was dying, who was not sure about tomorrow, is the one that said, I cannot afford to do what the crowd does. I need to do something different than thronging him. I need to make a withdrawal. Now, when you look at that whole thing, it's a, there's a strong prophetic picture of what church is like every day. Many times when you and I come into a meeting like this, we have been in meetings like this many times. And when we come into a meeting like this, we have a good idea what's going to happen. These people sitting here came to this church the, the very first time. Is that correct? But in their mindset, they already knew that tonight somebody will be on the platform and they will lead a few choruses and we will sing. And it did happen. They already knew before they came to this church that there will be a moment that the pastor will say, everybody greet one another. And we did that. And then they also knew that most probably they will not sing a lot of worship because there's a guest speaker. That's exactly what they did. And then they also realized there will come a moment in this meeting that somebody's going to receive an offering. 
And that also happened. And they probably, if they have seen a guest speaker before, the guest guy will probably talk about his book and his CDs. And they saw that as well. You see, and that is the problem. We come to meetings and we go through the thronging motions and we go home and we talk about Jesus, we sing about Jesus, but we never make a withdrawal because nobody is dying. Nobody is on a deathbed. Nobody's days are numbered. But when there's somebody who is dying, they don't come to do the offering or the handshake thing because they realize I cannot get my healing out of doing the thronging thing. I need to make a withdrawal or I am a corpse by tomorrow night. And church, I want to say to you that we need to adjust our thinking. And, and we need to come like this woman and say, I'm not going to do the crowd thing. Uh, you can buy my book tonight, but it doesn't mean you are healed. You can buy my CDs tonight, but it doesn't mean you, got, you made a real withdrawal. Sorry to tell you. And, 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 and the, Lord, the Lord wants me to break this thing open so that you and I can change our approach, even myself. That I will not go into a meeting, and every now and then I need to talk to myself as a minister of the gospel. Uh, I always need to talk to myself and say, I've ministered thousands of times in my life. I have flown hundreds and hundreds, probably 2,000 flights the last uh, 15 years. And I cannot allow any of that to become normal. Because I must take myself separate every day and say, what is the purpose of this meeting tonight? Is this purpose of this meeting tonight to teach three points and go home? Or is it to bring a word to somebody that says, my God, I need something from God tonight. I cannot do the crowd thing. I need, I'm desperate. I'm dying. And, 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 and I could be found guilty unless grace get a hold of me. And, um, so Jesus said, who touched me? Now, why did Jesus stop? Jesus stopped because there was one person in the whole crowd who, who did not do the normal thing. So, you see, Jesus, Jesus knew not everybody in the crowd is desperately sick. But the moment he felt a desperate withdrawal, Jesus said, that is worthwhile bringing the whole crowd to a standstill. Basically, I want to use another word that is not even in there. This woman interrupted Jesus. When Jesus walked to the house of Jairus, Jesus already knew he's on his way to the house of Jairus because there's a little girl dying. So on Jesus' mind and on his agenda, you would have found Jairus' daughter is on the agenda of Jesus. The woman who had the issue of blood was not on God's agenda for that day. But somehow she got on the agenda. What got her on God's agenda when she was not on the agenda? Faith. Faith will get you on the radar screen when you were not supposed to be on the radar screen. 
Faith brought her uh, on God's agenda, on Jesus' agenda, when she was not actually on the agenda. And, and I want to say to you tonight, when I look at my own life, just the last few years, and, 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 I, and, I, and I just think of what's happening in the last few days, I was thinking about the uproom yesterday, and I was, even today, I was sitting there, and I said, Lord, what, what is happening now here is we are busy with a conference call. We're, we're busy with Virginia Beach. It could end up in D.C. I've been in Dallas last Tuesday. Uh, how did this all happen? Well, it came out of the West Virginia upper room. How did the West Virginia upper room happen? Well, it came out of the Potter's House upper room when I said to the leaders, I feel like we should do a round table. How did the Potter's House upper room happen? It happened out of other upper rooms. It happened out of a moment when the Lord said to me, I want you to return to the upper room. So what happened now is today, five years later, things are on the agenda that would not have been on the agenda if I did not pick up the phone and I said, the Lord spoke to me and the Lord said this and this and this needs to happen. And I had to do that a few times. So, church, what is on your agenda and what is on your plate and what you will eat spiritually tonight has a lot to do with did you put it on the agenda by faith? That tells me that I can bring heaven to a standstill if I'm willing to use the faith that God has given me. Amen. God could have done it three months, but I can determine with my faith when I will get it. And she decided Jesus is coming down the road. She knew he's in the crowd, and she decided I, my faith, can get me healed before they will find me guilty. Come on. Your faith can get you on the calendar where man will never put you on the calendar. Again, if they had found her there, they would have asked her to leave immediately. But before they found out she was there, Jesus said, somebody made a withdrawal. And she came forward and she revealed herself. Powerful. The other thing I like to say is this. Jesus is on his way to the house of Jairus. I want you to see the complete picture. So Jesus is on his way to the house of Jairus. There's a little girl dying. And when he stopped, the Bible says, uh, let me read it for you. And the woman, fearing, trembling, knowing what happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith, your faith. Watch what Jesus said. Your faith. Jesus could have said, I have made you well. Well, Jesus is the one that made her well. But Jesus put the emphasis on her faith. He says, it's your faith that got you on my agenda. Because basically he's saying is, I'm on my way to Jairus' house. You were not on the agenda. But your faith got you, on, got you on the agenda, and your faith has made you well. That's so powerful. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? So now in verse 35, they came from the, from the house of Jairus, and they said, to the to Jairus, they said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? 
So basically, the faith of the woman who had the issue of blood, according to their agenda, made Jesus late for Jairus' daughter. Now, the Son of God is never late. You see, church, as long as there is breath, you and I say, well, I made it just before he, he, he blew out his last breath. The last breath cannot make God late. He's never late. Why? Because he has the ability to go beyond death. That's why they said, why do you trouble the teacher any further? Church, there's two, there's two types of time. You have kairos time and chronos time. I think I teach you about this when I was here one year. What is chronos time? Chronos time is my watch. It's my calendar. And you and I, we do everything according to a calendar. We have these meetings on a calendar. And that on this calendar date, I will come to this church. That's why I, hired a book, I book my flights according to a calendar. But, but kairos time is not calendar time. Chronos uh, time is watch time, calendar time. But kairos time is a moment of time in time. That's God. Jesus is kairos time. Before the earth even existed, God was already there. So, when somebody die, we say, well, Lazarus died over here. And by the time Jesus got to Lazarus' tomb, Lazarus was already dead for four days. So, according to the calendar, Jesus is late. But according to Kairos' time, he's never late. Because Kairos is suddenly... And kairos is a moment, is a moment in your calendar that God comes into your calendar and he does a miracle. So here they come and they said, according to the calendar, your daughter is dead. It did, it did not bother Jesus one bit because Jesus realized uh, death is subject to him. Come on. Jesus even said she's sleeping. So, so what happened here is Jesus went to the house, and you know what happened. He's going to throw a lot of people out of the house, and he resurrected that girl. But what I want to emphasize tonight is this. What I love about this woman, and this is the, this is the word that rings in my spirit. Jesus as, is on his way to the house of death. He's on his way to Jairus' house. She's not on the calendar. But she went against the law, and with her faith, she interrupted Jesus. She literally interrupted his schedule. She interrupted his program for that day. And I want to ask you a question. Why did we come here tonight? Did we come here tonight to be gentle and kind and there's nothing wrong with being gentle and kind. We always need to be gentle and kind. But there comes a moment in your life and in my life that you and I need to interrupt heaven. I come out of South Africa. I grew up with a great man of God called Reinhard Bonnke. He was in our denomination. He was just a missionary who worked on a one-to-one -one basis with black people. 
And then he became the Reinhard Bonnke who had crowds of several hundred thousand. And this is what Reinhard Bonnke always said. He always said, God moves with a man that moves. God moves with somebody that moves. I was in a meeting last week in Dallas, and I met a great, a great interrupter, a great man of God from the Virginia Beach area. And he sat next to me, and I, don't even, I cannot even pronounce his last name correctly. And uh, he heard me speech, uh, 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 preach, uh, uh, say a few things about the upper room, and I sat down. And he said, and he looked at me, he says, Brother, there's energy in you. He says, there's energy in you. He said to me, are you a pastor? I says, no, no, no. He says, oh, the way you answer me, I just know. You are high maintenance. But he meant it for good. And I said to him, yes, sir, I'm high maintenance. I cannot sit still because I found out if I move, God moves with me. Where did I learn that? Because Rhino Bunker said, God moves with a man that moves. If that woman had a pity party that day and she sat on the pavement and she prepared for her funeral, she would have been dead. But she decided, I'm going to interrupt Jesus. He's not on his way to my house. He's not coming to my address. He's not coming my way. He's on his way to another house. But I don't care where he's going. I'm going to interrupt the whole procedure because if he does not come my way, I'm going to go his way and I'm going to take what I need and he can find out later I made a withdrawal. And if you like it, you like it. And if he doesn't like it, but I am dying and I'm not going to play the thronging church thing any longer because I need help. And I want to say to you tonight, be a mover. Be somebody that will interrupt heaven. Church, I feel very strong about this. This is not great theological preaching tonight and I can care less. Because I'm not here to get a few good marks from somebody. Oh, you are an incredible preacher. No. I want to be an incredible interrupter. I want to interrupt the rhythm in America. I want to interrupt churches. I want to interrupt pulpits. I want to interrupt leadership. And I want to say to them, come to your senses. We need heaven to touch America. And we cannot sleep any longer. We must interrupt heaven. She interrupted him. And when she interrupted him, Jesus said, that's different. That's not the crowd thing. And he stopped. Can I tell you something? Jesus will stop for me. He said, well, what makes you so smart? No, I'm not smart. I just have a hunger and a desperateness in me that says, if they're going to have another committee meeting and if they're going to play church, let them play it. But I'm not going to play church because heaven is sick and tired of people that go to do the thronging thing, buy the book, get the T-shirt, and say, well, I've been in the crowd. Come on. I believe there were some people there that said, hey, Jesus, I'm in the crowd. I've got your T-shirt, Jesus. <laughs> I've got your latest CD. Wow, you're great. 
<laughs> That's the crowd thing. Maybe Jesus will wave at that person. And maybe Jesus will say, yeah, 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 you need to listen to that CD. But when the woman touched him, he said, everybody, he said to his disciples, whoa. Whoa. I need to bring everything to a standstill. Jairus was there. He probably said to Jairus, Jairus, I know your child is dying, but that can wait. Somebody interrupted by making a withdrawal out of me, and I felt it. And I want to say to all of you, deep inside of you there is enough faith to make a withdrawal to the point that heaven will send you a statement and say, we took notice of your prayer, and we have listened to your prayer, and we will answer your prayer. That's powerful. Come on. God is raising up men and women that are interrupters. Hallelujah. And I don't even feel guilty. I don't even feel I am out of my place. You know, in the church, lately today in the church, everybody is, is taught how to be in your place. I mean, just stay within your limits and uh, just be nice and kind and just, uh, and, and no, I'm sick and tired of that. I'm sick and tired of that. Church, I'm 35 years in the ministry. I preach four or five times a week. I'm not going to play games. Amen? I, 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 I need Jesus. Man, I'm not here to, to preach sermons. I, I, I'm not here to preach sermons. I mean, an hour before I preach, I don't even really know what I'm going to preach about. To be very honest with you, I, I saw an email today, a church just uh, sent my daughter a letter this morning, and I will be in this church this coming Sunday. It's a big church. And, she, and she, they, they wrote her a letter. Could you tell us what Pastor, I will, uh, Pastor Andre will preach about this coming Sunday? We want to advertise. And my, my daughter sent a letter back to them, and she copied me in the letter. And she said, normally he doesn't know what he preaches about until an hour, and sometimes he only finds out what he will minister about in the service. So it's very hard for me to tell you what my dad is going to talk about this coming Sunday. I say, well, somebody knows me. I had a church one day call me in my hotel room. They said, Pastor Andre, you will be with us six weeks from now. I said, thank you for telling me. And I looked at my schedule and I said, oh, yeah, I will be in that church. She's very right. She's not wrong. And they said, what will you talk about? Because we want to advertise. They called me. And I said, ma'am, it's difficult. It said, it's really difficult. I'm in this church at the moment, and I'm doing five meetings here this week, and I don't even know what I'm going to talk about tonight. So six weeks out is very far. I don't know. I said, just advertise something about the Holy Spirit. I said, I think you will not miss it if you say something about it. Just choose what you think I will preach about, and I will try to fit into that. And if I do not fit into that, it will work out very well. Don't you worry. You know, people try to put church in little boxes weeks ahead. Uh, I mean, I mean, there's places in America where they send your sermon from head office. You get your sermon through the email, and then you just okay, okay. Next month we will. Everybody will talk. Oh, come on! No, 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 no. We're gonna bring Jesus to a standstill. 
and say, no longer do we want this priest. I mean, that's canned fruit preaching. Bottles of canned fruit. How did I get onto that? That doesn't fit in here. Jesus. Sorry, Pastor Brown. I know you are such a smart teacher of the word, and then I come in here and I do my African thing. Everybody say, I am an interrupter. Everybody say, I have the ability in me to bring Jesus to a standstill. She interrupted him. She interrupted him. Hallelujah. She interrupted him. Years ago, in an African crusade, and I will not tell you the story the way it is. Maybe I did tell you the story. Because I've seen many of these things in Africa where people become so desperate that they literally grab their healing. And I've seen it many, many times. But I've seen this one woman in a meeting. She was so desperate. And she shouted out on the top of her voice what she needed. It was very gross. What she shouted out was very gross, but it was really her need. Do you know what? Gross or not gross. When the, when the, I mean, it happened in a crusade of thousands. And on this side of the tent crusade, the Lord healed a lot of people and the power of God cut through the whole crowd like a laser beam and healed them. And then the crowd, it's almost like a laser beam that moves and cut through the crowd. And another few hundred got healed. And they all fell out under the power of God. And they all fell into the same direction. It's amazing. When a wind blow, a wind blow in a certain direction. And, and it happened, it came through the whole tent crusade. And when it came to this side, there was a black woman. And she had a need in her body. as a certain body part she was never born with. And, and she needed it desperately. And when she cried it out, you don't cry that out in America. They will look at you very strange when you cry things like that. But she was desperate. And when she cried it out, and when the, when the power of God came to that side of the tent, it hit the whole place. But when she saw what's coming from that side of the tent, she saw how the power of God hit the place. It's almost like the power of God is cutting a piece of cake and, and give, um, cutting a piece of cake and cutting a piece of cake. I've seen it even in my own meetings in South Africa years ago. And when it came to this side, the power of God hit them, and she was out on the floor, and minutes later she discovered that she now has a body part in her body that she never had before. And I will not tell you the detail of what happened in the body and what it caused. But when she felt a body part that was never there before, number one, she was desperate. Number two, she shout out as on the top of her voice. And people in that block heard it, what she shouted. But, you know, they, need, they, they realized that's faith. Nobody even looked at her strange because that was a black crusade, not a white, prim, and proper, dead, religious bunch of people. Not in Arkansas. I'm talking about other places. Because you even get them in South Africa. Make no mistake. When she felt the body part, you know what? She jumped up 
and she ran out of the tent and she came through the other door and she ran out of this door. It's a massive tent crusade. And when you run out of the, one of the openings, you run into the bushes. And uh, the elders saw her. And now the elders is running after her. Man, it's like a big hunt going on in and out of the tent crusade. But you know what? We knew. We just knew, okay, God is doing something. And we're about to find out because that woman, she's hilarious. She is over the top. Why? When I heard what happened, I said, no wonder. No wonder if I have a miracle like that, I will run like crazy. But you know why she got the miracle? She interrupted Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on. And I want to say to you tonight, don't pray your week uh, before you go to bed, little prayer, and fall asleep when you are desperate. And we all come to a point where we cannot pray because we are so tired, even myself. But tonight I want to say to you, when you need it, don't wait for the pastor to come. You stop everything. Bring it to a standstill. Let faith arise. And let faith grab a hold of something that is not on the agenda. Many times I meet people and they see what God does for other people. And when I look at them, I can see in their eyes they've given up hope. I can see in their eyes, it's over. They made peace that they will die. Jesus said, no. She, he said to the woman, your faith, your faith. He did not say my faith. He says your faith. Why? Because Jesus knew he gave every one of us a measure of faith. And I want to say to all of you, you've got the thing in you to interrupt heaven and bring Jesus to a standstill and you know what? If people blame you for the woman that died, the little girl that died, that's fine. Because Jesus is not late. He can never be late. That's why, listen to this. That's why you can never delay Jesus. Because if you, if, if you, if you have the ability, like Jesus, never to be late, you can never be delayed. And it's deep. Come on. You can never delay Jesus. You can only delay Andre Fonsell because I can miss a plane. You can only delay me because I need to be here by 6.30. But Jesus can never be delayed because even if he's delayed, he will just fix because he's not led by calendars. And if he is let, and if he is on his way somewhere, he's willing to stop. Come on, church. Was it Joshua that prayed? And Jesus stopped the sun and the moon. Why? Because Joshua said, Lord, I need more time. Lord, I'm going to do a victory. I'm going to get a victory here. And Joshua prayed for time. And God said, I will stop heaven for that kind of faith. I was, come on, son. Son, I know you're on your way down there, but you stay right where you are. And moon, you stay right where you are because I just saw faith on the earth, and that's the kind. Wow. Faith 
will move mountains. Listen to this. Faith will take you where your senses can never take you. Your senses can only take you where man has gone before. Faith will take you where man has never gone before. I'm going to say it again. Your senses can only take you where man has gone. That's why when you use a GPS, where will the GPS take you? He will take you where man has gone before. A GPS can only take you to an address that's known. Come on. But faith will take you where man has never gone before. Because faith can take you in unknown territory. That's why the Bible says Abraham were going, not knowing, but going. How can you go without no? Because when you go by faith, you don't need to know where you go. Because you don't go by no, you go by faith. Ah, uh, come on. When she was in the crowd... Her mind said to her, the people will find you. But faith said to her, you can go under the radar and come on. Faith brought her to, her to the point where she was so quick in the crowd that the human mind, man, could not identify her in time. So faith will get me where man will not allow me. Amen. Somebody say, I have the Spirit. Say, I have the Spirit. Don't say it like a semblance of God. Say it like an interrupter. Say, I have faith to interrupt heaven for my own benefit. Come on. Her faith was not for others. Her faith was for her own benefit. There comes times, people, that your faith is not strong enough for me. There comes time, people, that you don't sense my desperateness. There comes time that you feel for me and you love me, but you don't know how desperate I am. And then... When I become an interrupter, you will most probably think I'm overboard. But if you only knew, I have a few hours to live. I'm desperate. How many of you tonight just want to say, Lord, I will interrupt you with my faith, knowing that faith is the one thing that will bring you to a standstill. And you will honor me. In front of all the people. When Jesus said, your faith has made you well. He shut the mouths of all the disciples. And they realized, we are the disciples who think we are special in his eyes. But we've just learned a lesson from a desperate person. Who's not even allowed to be here. That you can take it. When you need it, and you don't need to wait for an agenda to have your name printed on the agenda, and then you will get it. 
if you say tonight, God, give me the boldness to interrupt you. Stand on your feet. And I want to pray a prayer tonight that will stir you up in your everyday walk with God. Come on, church. You know what? I pray this prayer for myself.